like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, super sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for students of true crime. This week we are discussing another current YA mystery novel. It was so good. It's called Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson. Yes. Uh, I love this one. Me too. Uh, So one thought to ponder today, Kelly. Are you ready? Yes. Give me that that, that fonder pot. Fonder (laughs) pot. (laughs) Okay, so I I feel like I know how you will answer this question, but what would you do, slash, like, how would you feel if you found yourself embroiled in an actual real-life murder mystery? So, you know, Stevie, the main character of the book, this is completely her jam. So it is a a dream come true for her. But would you find that to be a dream come true or your worst nightmare? I don't know. I mean, I think I... I think I maybe have enough, um, I've watched enough Discovery ID, which I think Stevie has as well. I, I think in reality, I would much, I would be much more interested in getting pulled into solving a cold case than I would like having someone I know be murdered. Oh, yes. Getting pulled in in that way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm definitely into the... I want to go solve this mystery from 1936 moment. That seems really fun. Yes. Um, the solving the murder of my classmate, I don't think I would react super well to. Completely agreed. A cold case and kind of being the person on Reddit that's dug a bunch of stuff up and it's they're mm-hmm. trying to solve mm-hmm. it now. Like, that is interesting to me. But right. I don't want to get up close and personal with murder. No, no, no. Yeah. No, we can leave the murder in the books. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for pondering that thought with me. How are you? How was your week? My week was lovely. It, it stormed here, like, all week long. And, yes. I mean, you know, you know Midwest storms. Like I love them. Um, yeah. Pouring, tons of thunder, you know. It just, in short, the perfect week to curl up with this book, which yes. I did. So, Yeah. That was that was kind of my week. It was it was mostly just like cats and wine and storms and mystery novels. So you know. I'm so jealous. Ideal. It doesn't really thunder on the West Coast. Like I in the oh really the years I have lived out here, I've maybe heard thunder seven times. Interesting and yeah. also a very specific estimate. <laughs> More than five, <laughs> but less than ten. Um. <laughs> we'll go right down the middle. So seven it is. <laughs> Anyway, I'm I am jelly of your thunder. Is my point. I I know that. I mean, it's you and I are the same on the inside yeah. when it comes to that. So yeah. yeah, but I don't know about you, but like just you know, waxing slightly prosaic. I guess like doing this podcast has made me re- remember why I loved YA novels so much. Oh yay. And yeah, and, like, I'm reading more now because of that. Just, like, not just what we're reading for the podcast, but it's just kind of gotten me over, like, a reading slump, I think. And Yeah. And also, I'm just at this point of my life where I'm like, you know what? 
if all I want to read right now are mystery novels, then that's all I'm going to read. Amen, sister. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not going to be bullied into reading your Dickens anymore, okay? <laughs> Not you. Like the the universal... The literary know, elite. Professorial you. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> I feel no shame in being like, I am going to read the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. <laughs> like, if you yes. want to read it, read YOLO, as the youth say. Yo- YOLO. <laughs> Do the kids still say that anymore? I don't know. I, I am Probably so not. far removed from the youths in age now that I am not sure what they actually say at this point. We're just over here hashtagging YOLO in our skinny jeans. With my side part. <laughs> Whatever. What eps? What have you been doing this week? What's the haps? Uh, not much to report on my end. I did complete my first full week of Death Gym, aka CrossFit, and yeah, I would how's say, that going? Uh, you know, it's very fun, and I I like it a lot. But I don't think there is a single part of my body that does not hurt right now, except for I'm perhaps sure. my hair. Um, so, <laughs> so. so how many times did you go this week? Three, thrice. Oh my. God, Karen. I know. It's I don't I, know how you're walking. I don't either. And slowly. <laughs> um uh, my, but my, but you're not like you're not like begging for a refund yet. No, no. And or have you? I you I have not, and I still have three more weeks left of the beginner series, so here we go. <laughs> you haven't like you haven't like told your husband that you guys need to move so that you can get the the like official notification to like, get out of your contract they never they don't see me like walking down the street you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally um uh, the the thing that i am the most excited to tell you about so um i love sending mail <laughs> as you know uh i, I know, love and i love getting mail <gasps> well we are a perfect match then and we surely are I just love it. I love writing on the envelopes. I love writing letters. I love getting uh, everything about it. I love it. And so... Well, you're, you're like... You, you've always been, like, into that kind of paper craft situation, which just yeah. has merged beautifully with your letter writing slash writing in general <gasps> prowess. Thank you, Kel. That was such a... That was such a nice compliment. Thank you. This Thank is you. very... Can I, get, can I Can I get a letter? Yes, I will absolutely send you some mail. It's the only good mail I ever get. Well, I will send you something beautiful. And anyone listening to this, I'm pen pals with a few of you, but if anyone wants mail, just DM me your address on Instagram and I'll send you some. (laughs) Because I need to. Uh, The thing that I was going to tell you is that I I have a problem with buying stamps from the post office. Oh, really? As in, I buy a lot of them. And so they come out with new ones all the time and mm-hmm. the ones right now are real good so i trotted down mm-hmm. there and stocked up on they they do these really special ones every so often that are made of foil and they're like kind Ooh. of like not holographic but they're like shimmery and so they have these like solar Seriously. system ones right now that are so cool they also sometimes have scratch and stiff stamps which is very exciting are you serious yeah yeah there are some uh, no scratch way. and sniff oh, popsicles God, that takes me like just way back I, I still have are they, some. Are they more expensive? No. Can I please get a scratch and sniff? Yeah, I will send it to you. It's a, <gasps> it's a popsicle stamp. It's very cute. Oh my god! I like. Oh, I wonder where my sticker book is. <laughs> Did you have a sticker book? 
I I don't. I have all of my stamps, though. I had to get a binder with those sheet protectors <laughs> because I have so many sheets of stamps. So I have a like huge oh, binder my, full. Can of you them. please take pictures and send send me pictures of this? Yes, I will. I'll put. I, or I'll put I it didn't. On the Insta. I didn't know that. I didn't know that this interest was like had reached binder organization level. It had to because <laughs> it's gotten out of control. Um, I'm not judging. My my hobby is my master bedroom. Well, and they they know me at the post office now. Like, I went in, and the guy who's always working there said, oh, need more stamps? And I was like, well, need is a strong word. <laughs> Not really, sir, but... Um, so you have scratch and sniffs. You have foil. I mean, oh my, I'm going to have to call mom and see if she knows where my sticker book is. I'm sure she does. I'm sure it is around. I, I can I can smell the smell of my scratch and sniff snickers. I can, too. Stickers. From 1988. I, like, can I can smell them right now. Totally smell it as well. I can also, feel the puffiness of the little Care Bear sticker that I cherish. The puffy stickers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Stickers yeah. are so good. I can't remember if we talked about this, but I maybe you told me this or somebody. It was a meme, essentially, that said people our age love enamel pins so much because we were the sticker generation. And enamel oh my pins. Oh, God. That makes perfect sense and they were like in enamel pins we love them because it removes the anxiety of like if i stick it here it's there for it's used up <laughs> you can't use it or again it's, yeah. it's gone right and, but with a pin you can move it around so they were like yeah this is why everybody oh, our age and loves it, these. It, yeah and it's like the same size the same adorable little thing it's cute uh karen i know well, i didn't tell you that because that's never occurred but like that makes complete and perfect sense this yeah. is why i have like dozens of enamel pins totally anyway i took us down the winding rabbit path that's not an expression but <laughs> the rabbit path the winding <laughs> rabbit path uh but anyway long story short we went down there on our roller skates with our popples <laughs> yeah uh. I will, I will mail you mail, and anyone who wants to mail, I will also mail you mail as well, because I have that to use up my stamps. That is a very generous offer. I have to use up I'm my gonna stamps. I'm going to DM you with all my, like, fake accounts, so I get, like, 14. You're going to be like, okay, Kelly, these are clearly all you. <laughs> Why are these all going to the same address that is also Kelly's? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about this delightful book that we read. Yeah, let's shall. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I have been very excited about this all week. Ditto. So to to give like a little bit of backstory, it's there is really interestingly not a ton of information about this book on the interwebs, which Hmm. I thought was a little bit surprising since it's been out for a couple years now and the sequels are out and all of that. And it is extremely popular. So um, there was like way more available on the Inheritance Games, which is far newer so anyway that being said um most of the information i did get is from wikipedia so if you want to read more on any of this that was where i went to but um there's maureen johnson also has a website that has a lot of good informations on informations information information as well informations um anyway she grew up in philadelphia and went to karen and all girls catholic high school <gasps> Just like us. I was like, can relate. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. And she studied writing and theatrical dramaturgy at Columbia. Just like so, us. I know. I mean, there's minus a lot of Columbia, but <laughs> minus Columbia and minus the dramaturg part, but like a lot of similarities. Yeah. Um, I mean, why aren't we 
famous authors, Karen, probably because we've never written any books, but whatever. Um, Good question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's a very interesting person. Um, she was the inspiration for the character intern Maureen on Welcome to Night Vale. What? And she, yeah, she voices that character and has occasionally even done the role live when they do live shows. Get out of um, town. I will not. I had, uh, she's written awesome. like... I know, and like, what a what a great podcast! Um, I thought that was interesting. She, I mean, she's written a ton of books, just a ton of books. So if you if you like her writing, um, I'd highly recommend you check out some other stuff she's done. I haven't read it, but it seems like she's got a pretty amazing catalog. Um, if you like her writing style, which I did, she launched the inclusive the inclusive political social networking community YA for Obama to support then U.S. Senator Barack Obama's candidacy for president. Okay. Um, and I didn't really like do more research than that on it, but I, I kind of got the impression it was, she was gathering authors to write short works to help raise funds. So oh, that was pretty cool. Cool. Yep. Yep. Um, she seems to be a pretty outspoken why can I not talk today? She she seems to be a pretty outspoken and staunch advocate for diversity and representation, which I think we see in Truly Devious. And yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Totally. Um, she's the co-host of a podcast called Says Who, which started in 2016 in the lead up to the election. And she and her co-host are talking about just like the impact of politics and coping with it. And they, I think they had only intended to do, like, I don't know, eight or ten episodes, like, during that, you know, moment in time and continued it from there. So I think that's still going on as of now. Um, but it certainly went on longer than 2016. Okay. Um, one of my favorite things that I noted in her, like, back catalog of work was she's she's written a ton of books and she's also written some short stories and some really interesting essays, for at least from the titles of them. One of which is called Hot Sex and Horrific Parenting in His Dark Materials. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I fair but let's go let's go read that i totally want to read that oh i love his dark materials and that is an amazing and astute piece of right. uh, academic work to write about it uh-huh. um and she's she's written several short works to support the harry potter alliance's equality for the win campaigns uh and again i mean it's pretty clear she's a fan of harry potter in this book um, yes, which I am too, but I love that she's, you know, throwing her popularity and her abilities and things like that behind, um, their equality campaign to raise money for, you know, human rights and equality movements. What so, is the, what is the Harry Potter Alliance? It is, it, you know, I'll have to pull it up to tell you a little bit more about it. Cause I hadn't heard about it before I saw it in her bio, um, I've but never heard of this before. It, it's, I, from my limited understanding of it, it's essentially like a group of fans. It's like a fandom gathering um, that is just using their passion for Harry Potter to advance 
equality and equity in the world. So that's so cool. I think that's, yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes through things like what Maureen Johnson was a part of, which was actually raising funds that then they donated to various causes, but, and they've done this several years in a row, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah. How that's, cool. and that's all I know about it. So I, you know, I'm, I'm interested to learn more about that, but I, I certainly can't like speak more intelligently than that, but uh, hey. I think it's just kind of a cool thing. Very cool. I had no idea it existed, so thank you for the information. <laughs> so as far as Truly Devious goes, it was published uh, in January of 2018. And okay. as we learned, uh, it's a cliffhanger. Yes. And there's several. There's a couple more books in the series. Now, again, I have not read them, but what I understand from reading on the interwebs is... The second and the third books in the series, The Vanishing Stair and The Hand on the Wall, continue this story. Okay. And then there's a fourth called The Box in the Woods, which I think just came out. Like, it's it's pretty much brand new. Um, and that, they're, they're calling it a standalone, but in the series. So I don't know what that means. I don't okay. know if that's, you know, like it's got Stevie still, or if it's Ellingham Academy or, or whatever, but like it's, it's a standalone. So... It sounds to me like the book that we started continues over two more books to reach a resolution. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I and, need them. And that's I it. need them immediately. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally going to the library tomorrow to get the second one. <laughs> well, thank you for all of the information. Uh, I, I learned a lot. I did not know any of those things. Um, also, Kelly... Yes. Thank you for doing the super fast plot overview today. This was a very long book, and it was very nice of you to write the super fast plot. Are you ready to do this? I don't know. It's clear that I'm having trouble forming words right now, so <laughs> I need to like do some like watermelon peas and carrots. You New York. Um, Your vocal warm ups. <laughs> ah, me, 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 me. me. Oh, but yes. Uh, please bear with. <laughs> I should. I should also say the thing that I would be very remiss if I did not say just oh, a reminder please. spoiler alerts yes all uh, the spoilers all of the spoilers are coming your way in a, a matter of mere seconds so if you have not read this book and you want to or if you will be irate to know what progresses just don't keep listening to this episode I guess this would be your chance to turn but it's worth it let it us spoil it for you it. It is worth it. All right. I have said my piece. Kelly, will you please regale us with the super fast plot overview? I sure will. Here we go. In 1936, Albert Ellingham opens an exclusive and free school for talented, smart, and generally special high schoolers to attend in their junior and senior years. Learning should be fun. A game. It's worth noting that Albert is excessively rich, loves riddles and games, and seems pretty eccentric. He is married to Iris, and together they have a daughter named Alice. Now back to the school. The beautiful campus in Vermont is well off the beaten path, carved into the side of a mountain, and has some real Overlook Hotel vibes going on. The campus is well known for its mysterious tunnels, hidden passages, spooky forest, gigantic fancy mansion, and man-made lake. Shortly into its first year, though, Ellingham Academy becomes the site of a massive crime. In 1936, a student named Dottie sneaks off to read in a special hidden room at the end of an underground hidden tunnel. 
only to go missing and later be found murdered. She leaves behind a few personal possessions and a Sherlock Holmes library book with one sentence underlined. That same day, Albert Ellingham's daughter and wife are also kidnapped and, despite several ransom drops, are never returned. Iris, his wife, is later found shot to death and his daughter Alice is never recovered. Shortly before the kidnappings, a terrible poem had been delivered but dismissed as a hoax. The poem was constructed from words cut from magazine pages and signed, Truly Devious. It is suspected that the letter writer is responsible for the Ellingham crimes. A few years later, Albert goes out on his boat and dies in an explosion, attributed to anarchists. The school continues to operate, even after Albert's death, in the memory of Alice, the school's patron. Everything of value is donated, with the exception of Alice's items, which must be kept on the grounds in case of her return. Flash forward to modern times. We meet Stephanie, aka Stevie, Bell, who is on her way to start her first year at Ellingham Academy. She's a true crime aficionado, always listening to podcasts and watching, watching Discovery ID, and she wants to be a detective like Sherlock Holmes and work for the FBI. Who doesn't? Even more, she is determined to solve the Ellingham murder mystery and figure out who is the criminal known only as Truly Devious. Upon arrival, she meets her dorm mates. There's Janelle, who is Stevie's best friend, David, who Stevie hates but ends up hooking up with, Ellie, short for Element, who is a free spirit and artist, Nate, who is putting off writing his second novel, and Hayes, who is already famous after starring in and writing a one-man YouTube show about the zombie apocalypse. Just as Stevie is starting to settle into her custom-made coursework in anatomy, forensics, and other really cool stuff for a budding detective, she agrees to help Hayes put together another YouTube show about the Ellingham murders. A team is assembled, including Nate as the writer and other students to direct and manage the project. Stevie is psyched because they will film part of the show in the recently excavated underground tunnel that was the key to the kidnappings that was key to the kidnappings and the murders of Dottie, Iris, and presumably Alice. One night after working on the script, Stevie is awakened with a glimmer of light in her room and, to her shock, sees what appears to be a new, truly devious magazine letter poem projected on her wall. The message disappears in the blink of an eye, though, and after a major panic attack, she convinces herself that she dreamed it. A few days later, the project is completed and filming wraps. The movie crew heads to dinner, but Hayes splits from the group to go back to the filming location saying he forgot something. When he is late for curfew that night, Stevie confesses that they had entered the old tunnel by picking the lock, and Hayes may have gone back. A search team of teachers and security race to find Hayes and, too late, discover his lifeless body in the same tunnel that Dottie died in decades earlier. During the subsequent investigation, it appears that Hayes died accidentally while filming something by himself in the tunnel. A key card stolen from Janelle was used to steal pounds of dry ice from a workroom. The dry ice was taken to the underground tunnel, presumably to create a fog effect for the movie. Unfortunately, the massive amount of CO2 displaced the oxygen, causing Hayes to asphyxiate and die. Over the next several days, Stevie goes through it, experiencing a wide range of emotions which lead to some ill-advised decisions, including making out with her frenemy David. She also is punished for breaking the lock by having to organize and categorize all of the Ellingham's old possessions, which turns up some interesting finds. 
Something's not sitting right with Stevie, though, and through some old-school Sherlockian deduction and investigation, she discovers that Hayes was on a Skype call with a long-distance friend during the time the dry ice was stolen. So someone else was involved, and this might be murder. Eventually, Stevie becomes certain that Hayes hadn't written the script for his famous zombie show himself, even though he was taking credit for it. Coincidentally, Ellie had received $500 from Hayes that summer to buy Ruta, her saxophone, which she uses to torment her friends in the name of art. Using a game of Never Have I Ever as a cover, Stevie questions Ellie, who admits to writing the script, but not to killing Hayes. Ellie is subsequently detained by campus security in a locked room until the police and lawyers arrive, but she is able to escape through a hidden passageway and flee into the mountains. Even though it looks like Ellie is guilty, Stevie's little gray cells are still not satisfied. After the police search Ellie's room, Stevie and David go into her room to look around again. There, Stevie finds a metal box containing a poem titled The Ballad of Frankie and Edward, dated April 2, 1936. Along with it are photos of two teens, one male and one female, dressed up as Bonnie and Clyde. Stuck between the photos was a cutout letter of the word us. Is this truly devious? To be continued. Dot, 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 dot. Oh, so good. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, you're welcome. Did I kind of cover most of the highlights? I think you nailed it, honestly. That was beautifully distilled down. <laughs> well, if we have anything else as we get to it and it wasn't mentioned, we'll we'll do what we always do and, and try to clarify. But um, perfect. Yeah, that was a that was a complicated one. It was. Um, well, speaking which of is which, what made it so good. It is. Um, so perfect transition. General thoughts and musings o'clock. Um, you picked this book. Yes. How did you feel about it? What 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 was your experience? <laughs> uh, well, I think I picked it initially because I liked the idea of a... I mean, it, it lined up with kind of our stuff, right? Like a teenager who's a sleuth. You know, it's a detective yeah. novel. Um, and she literally wants to be like Sherlock Holmes. I loved all of that. I also love that she's into true crime, which is such a thing right now, you know? Um, so it just felt very of the moment. Um, but also putting in all of these, you know, really amazing mystery plot elements like the school and all of this stuff. So the whole premise sounded really fun. And I mean, I freaking loved it. Um, I like so related to Stevie in terms of loving mysteries, liking true crime, uh, feeling like at home with my books as a kid, um, wanting to see if I can solve it. You know, it's this idea of, you know, if I can just, if I can just think about it hard enough, we've talked about that, I can solve it. Yep. Um, my only, my only criticism is that I wanted there to be, I, I was hoping that this would feel more like we talking about Harry Potter. Like I think Harry Potter is a good example or even like Twilight um, or his dark materials. There, there are three that have come up recently anyway, um, where yes, it's a trilogy or it's a series, but each book also can kind of stand on its own. Like there is a, a conclusion in the book, even yes. though the, the overarching plot doesn't conclude. And so like, that was my one complaint is I felt like we got zero answers and zero resolution in this book and there is no way you can put this book down and be satisfied on any level yeah 
without going on and reading the next one. Very well put. I completely agree with everything that you said. I, I was very surprised by the lack of resolution. Like, it's been a long time since I've read a book that truly was a, like, to-be-continued episode of yeah. TV. It's like, you don't see Seriously. that every day. So that definitely took me by surprise. But I also super enjoyed it. And I think I I realized something about myself. I think what I fall in love with in books specifically, like, maybe even more than the characters, is, like, the setting. And oh. I love campus novels. I love anything that's set on a, you know, boarding school property <laughs> type of thing. And just the whole idea of, you know, Harry Potter style or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Like, getting summoned to attend this mysterious special school. And it's like, oh, I am special. I, my my unique adventure that's is about to start. I love that. <laughs> I, I, t- I completely agree with you. And I think we're going to talk about that more a little bit later. So don't lose that thought. I shan't. I also wanted to say that in the in the, the vein of loving settings, I was so here for like the study yurt that they had. <laughs> that was oh my gosh, yes. so good. I'm like, I want that. There was just this huge yurt that was like, I don't know. It kind of sounded like it was decorated like an opium den, or <laughs> just like rugs and pillows on the floor and blankets, and you could study or nap or have a party or have a rave, do whatever you want. Right, the, the study year was awesome. <laughs> yeah, the the study, and and I I love the start. I love the start. That's the combination of it has it's s t apostrophe r t. It's a start. Um, study year. Um, I loved it because it was so on brand for everything Ellingham Academy was, but it was also so entirely out of place, and that's why I loved it. Like, somebody went, you know what we're missing here next to all of our actual Greek and Roman statuary and this, like, the topiary garden I imagine they have and the multi-billion dollar landscaping and properties? <laughs> a yurt. A yurt. A good old-fashioned yurt. Um, next to the art barn, you know? I mean, it totally makes sense, so. I yeah, also, okay. I, you have done this to me, but whenever I pictured the art barn, the only thing I could see in my mind was the barn for making it. <laughs> I'm like, this is oh, Kelly's entirely. Fault. <laughs> it's funny. I Until you said that, I didn't realize, but that's exactly what I've been picturing. I, I'm like, why do I have such a clear vision of what this barn looks like in my head? <laughs> oh, that's Why is amazing. Amy Poehler in, like, a teacher at the school? <laughs> She's the, the art professor. <laughs> She's the art professor in the leotard. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, so... As we have been doing per usual in Super Sleuth episodes, rather than like, you know, we, we don't have a, a standardized like format for these because, you know, they're a little less predictable than Nancy's. Um, so I thought we would just, as we do, talk about like our favorite parts. I so, love that. Sound good? Yeah. That sounds great. I am in. I'm cool. on board. Yes, and. <laughs> well, why don't, do you want to go first? I'd love to. Um, okay, so the first thing to discuss, this will not surprise you, as a, since I love poetry, um, the riddles and the poems that are floating yes. around. There were several. And mm-hmm. I, I I would like to talk about two of them right off the bat, and then there are more, and we can choose if we want to discuss them all. But my favorite was the opening riddle slash poem, the very first one, which is shown a few different times in the book, but... 
Um, should should I read it aloud? Would you for the would class? you re- would you read it for the class, please? I would love to. Okay, <clears throat> poem number one. Look, a riddle. Time for fun. Should we use a rope or gun? Knives are sharp and gleam so pretty. Poison slow, which is a pity. Fire is festive, drowning slow. Hanging's a ropey way to go. A broken head, a nasty fall. A car colliding with a wall. Bombs make a very jolly noise. Such ways to punish naughty boys. What shall we use? We can't decide. Just like you cannot run or hide. Ha ha. Truly devious. Like, oh, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. Every time I read it, I get, like, goosebumps. I don't like it. There are are a couple of specific things in that poem that stand out to me. Okay. That may or may not have implications further down the line. But... I'm curious what your thoughts are. Number one, the ha-ha, period. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why that's, it feels significant to me for some reason. It does. And that is what makes the whole thing the creepiest to me. Because mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I'm having like Joker flashbacks, but it just makes the whole thing feel even more unhinged. Like this person is mm, crazy. Yeah. That's exactly know. what it is. Yeah. It it's got that, that air of unhinged. Yes. Yes. Okay. But I also, yeah. And I, can I just say, I'm going to start signing off all my emails now. Truly, comma. <laughs> I love that. Please do. <laughs> See if anybody picks up on it. I love it. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm, I'm curious, though, why you love this one. Why this I... is your most disfavorite. I really like, um, and this is not this is not a popular opinion, but I still very much love rhymed poetry, and much modern poetry has moved away from that, uh, and many people are very anti rhymed poetry. But I just love a like kind of ballady, sing songing, sing songy, like well done rhymed poem. I think it is very mm-hmm. hard to do well and not sound like an idiot. So <laughs> I am a huge fan. Um, I would not say that this is a great poem, and I, in fact, have a little bit of beef that we use the, we have some, some repetition that I don't know is intentional. Like, uh, the poem says, poison is slow, which is a pity, and then it says, drowning is slow, two lines later. So I thought we could have, I thought we could have workshopped it a bit more, Mm. perhaps, but overall, I just enjoyed the 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 melody i don't know if that's the, the yeah. right way to say no, it I know but what you mean. Yeah. the like the like tune of it i guess and i thought it was very creepy very unsettling and like because we don't know who truly devious is like this poem is almost a character in the book like this is what we Absolutely. have of this person and so yeah. it's it's just so critical to the story and for that reason i loved it yeah, good point on that. I mean, it, it, and you can imagine. I mean, you and I have both been wa- watching our share of stalker shows, so yes. like you can imagine being on the receiving end of this and oh, how God. terrifying that would be. Awful, awful. awful. Yeah. So there, there. I, I'm. I don't know if this stood out to you or not at all, but of course I'm trying to like solve this before any of us are able to. Um, and you the, are Stevie. The that stood out to me, huh? You are Stevie. Like this whole book, I'm like, this book is about my sister. You are Stevie. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> um, 
but the, there is a line in it that I'm like, okay, this this is going to matter. Um, really, the only insight we get into why this person is doing this is the line, such ways to punish naughty boys. Ooh, yes. So everything else is just taunting and tormenting, right? Um, but that one, okay, the writer has revealed that Ellingham has done something to them either real or perceived um that is quote-unquote naughty so there there is some relationship there again theoretically i mean it could be all in their imagination you know they could have bumped into him in a grocery store and he didn't like pick up their cauliflower or something but um (laughs) you know there's been something that they they think he's been naughty yeah um so i think that's interesting i'll be curious to see how that plays out Oh, good call. That is that is genius. Well, fortunately, we have a second poem. Um, so this one is interesting in that we don't know if it's real <laughs> or not. Stevie right. awakens in the middle of the night. She sees this flash of light. And when she opens her eyes from a dead sleep, there is, as if projected on her wall, a second truly devious poem. And... It's, Care it's to read it? There, and then it's gone in the, the blink of an eye. So she's she's not sure if it's real. Yeah, I'd love to read it. Um, okay. Here we go. Riddle, riddle. On the, I don't know why I have to do a voice for them. Riddle, riddle. <laughs> I, li- I like it, though. Okay. It, feel, it feels like how truly would sound. Perfect. Okay, I'll keep it. Riddle, riddle. On the wall. Murder comes to pay a call. A body in a lonely field. Will its secrets be revealed? Or the lady in the lake? Will she give the lucky break? Alice, Alice, where are you? Won't you give a single clue? The detective's here. It's time to play. Truly Devious lives another day. Like, <laughs> also, so creepy. <laughs> okay, so first question. Do you think she dreamed it or not? I don't think she did. I don't think she did. I, I think I think someone on the campus is all mashed up in this and they didn't like her skulking around mm-hmm. and they are trying to freak her out. I think it was real. I don't know. What do you think? I think it was real too. No, nice. I think it was real. And I think it was either, I think it was either projected or we're going to find out that someone has gotten the recipe for that like phosphorescent paint, you know, like what you paint the horses with. Oh, um, that they paint the the, the uh, ransom money with, and his it's actually literally on her wall, and they you know shown some light in through the window. That is um, genius. Could be. Who knows? Um, so shall we talk about this poem for a minute? Yeah, we should. Um, I'm just I'm I'm looking at it again. Hang on, I have to keep like going to the right page. So, hmm. Okay, here's the thing. Here's an observation. Please. Riddle, riddle on the wall. Murder comes to pay a call. So, whoever wrote this poem knew how they were going to reveal it to her. So this wasn't like this. This poem is specifically intended for Stevie. Yes, which I think is very interesting. It's not like an old clue that has been resurfaced. It's it's been written like now, and it's right. it's right. for her to scare her specifically. Um, right. And it's, and it's like, and it's so recent that even as she has the thought that she thinks about how 
mystery novels start when the detective arrives. She yep. has that whole like internal monologue, right? Um, it, it goes into the detectives here. It's time to play. Oh, and that's her. Yep, yep. Now I don't think mm-hmm. she said that aloud to anybody, but it is like very much about her and targeted at someone that knows detective mysteries and wants to be a detective and all of those things. Anyway, go on. Oh, interesting. Well, and then we start talking about, you know, the people who have suffered at the hands of Truly Devious, a body in a lonely field, the lady in the lake. Is the lady in the lake Dottie? I think so, yeah. I think so, too. And then Alice, the daughter, who right. we don't know. We don't know where she is. But also, the the lady in the lake could also be Iris, because I think she was discovered in a body of water. True true but i mean so the body in the field that's the weird one because it's like well i don't really think anybody's been discovered in a field and even like if you thought about okay well the tunnel is beneath a field it's not though it's beneath a forest yeah at that i, I was like so, did i miss something because i didn't know who that no, was okay i don't know what that one is so um i also think it's interesting that it it's it's calling out to alice which implies that maybe she is not dead. I am very pro that theory. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, very interesting. And I'm I'm glad to hear you also don't think it was a dream. Because I, I definitely I don't. don't think it was a dream. Yeah, no, I think it was very intentional. I think it was a, a direct signal and specifically meant to do what it did which was like throw her straight into a panic attack it like terrified her and i think that was the intent the intended purpose Mm -hmm. um absolutely the other poem that we should speak about so there is a third poem in this book that you mentioned in the super fast plot overview and it is called the ballad of frankie and edward Mm -hmm. and this is discovered amongst ellie's possessions at the end of the novel uh, Mm -hmm. with a photo of two youths who you said were dressed as Bonnie and Clyde and Mm -hmm. a cutout magazine letter word that says us. So all of these Mm -hmm. things clearly appear to be related to the whole truly devious case. One Mm -hmm. would assume. Um, And the, the poem in this case is very different than, than the other poems. Um, it's, it's, te- it's more telling a story than, <laughs> I was going to say a veiled right. threat, but I was like, those threats in the other poems weren't even veiled. It was just right. directly threatening. <laughs> those were, yeah, completely non-veiled threats. Unveiled, yeah. overt, yes. Um, I have, I have read those poems. Would you like to regale us with the Ballad of Frankie and Edward? Sure. Uh, this is dated April 2nd, 1936. Frankie and Edward had the silver. Frankie and Edward had the gold, but both saw the game for what it was and both wanted the truth to be told. Frankie and Edward bowed to no king, they lived for art and love. They unseated the man who ruled over the land. That line is struck, as a side note. The next line is, they took, and then it's never finished. (sighs) The final stanza is, the king was a joker who lived on a hill and he wanted to rule the game so frankie and edward played a hand and things were never the same oh this is so good okay Mm -hmm. so the king i'm assuming is the gentleman who owns this this school and property right the king was a joker who lived on a hill 
So these two are after him for some reason. Mm-hmm. They they want to. And take it him sounds down. like to me, they both have money. This they're saying this is not about the money. They had the silver. They had the gold. But they wanted the truth to be told. This mm. is about getting to the truth, not about money. Yep, yep, yep. And they lived for art and love. So they're not mm. just crazed criminals. Like, these are people who are passionate, art, artistic souls and have been... Mm. It, it makes me really wonder what this man did. Because it mm. seems like it was real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like... I, I think, too, like that line, he wanted to rule the game. Uh, it's it's a control issue, it sounds like to me. Like, they're, mm. like, he's controlling the narrative. He's controlling the truth. I mean, I wonder if these two are not his children. Yeah. Um, you know, by quote-unquote illegitimate children in the 30s, and mm. he doesn't recognize them, even though he's potentially supporting them, and, you know, um... But I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like there's some kind of, um, there's a, it, it's a truth situation. It's not about the money, which explains why the ransom was not really the thing that was important. Yes. Oh, Kelly, you're really good at this. I don't know, do, girl. Do you have, do you have a poetry do, degree? I, <laughs> you're crushing this. I do not. I'm I'm crushing these four sta- four line stanza rhyming couplets. That's, <laughs> those would be two lines. I understand that. I'm just saying. Um, so one one thing that comes up just while we're talking about the poems, there there's a lot of really interesting clues in this book. But one of them is they show um, they show us the transcripts from a bunch of uh, FBI interviews with various suspects. Mm, yes. And one of the interviews is with, I can't think of the guy's name, um, but he's staying with the Ellinghams when all of this goes down. Oh, yes. And he's, yeah, he's an artist. He's a painter. He's a close friend of theirs. Um, it doesn't, I really don't think he had anything to do with it necessarily, but they, you know, they give us his transcript of the interview. And I can't remember exactly, maybe you remember better, but at one point in that transcript, he mentions specifically a couple of students. Um, he, he like, basically can't stand teaching. And he says, oh, there was, like, one good one. And he, he references the student that was asking him about Dorothy Parker. Yes. And then at the end of the book, like, when Stevie finds these pictures, she's rem- reminded of that and goes, I wonder if these were the students that he was talking about that in that interview, blah, 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 blah. Interesting. Um, But I think the Dorothy Parker thing is really fascinating, given that all three of these poems are very much like, I would say, in the style of a Dorothy Parker poem. Yes, 100%. So you're, you're the poet. Say more words about that. Well, just kind of like what we were talking about originally, like that that type of structure and the, the, the like sing songiness and the rhyminess, like it, it, it's something, something very dark is being said in a very playful way is how I would characterize that. Um, which is kind of an even more unsettling way to deliver the message because it sounds so like childish and full of life, but it's menacing. Um, that's, that's my two cents. That's how I would describe it. No, I think that's that. 
that makes sense to me. So I also I do think it's interesting. Um, she apparently went by Dottie. Oh, just like our little buddy mm-hmm. who just like our little buddy got whacked in chapter one. <laughs> she sure did. I really yeah. thought this was going to be the Dottie show. I, I had I no idea too. what this book was about. I was like, OK, well, now we know our main character. And then she's like, I'm like, wait, wait, what's up? What's happening? Dot, huh? Hundred percent thought the same thing. I thought I started the book and I was like, "Oh, this book takes place in 1936. It's about a little girl right. named Dottie, and then she died yeah. immediately." And I'm like, "Oh no!" I know. I was like, "Oh man, we've been like longing for murder and Nancy Drew, and now I take it back." Here, here it is. Oh no. Uh, um, Ooh, so thank anyway. you for going on the poetry tour with me. I really appreciate your time. <laughs> always, always happy to do it. So, I mean, I think we should transition into my next section, which my favorite part are always the clues. So I want to talk about my favorite clues. And there's a lot of them. So I'm going to like kind of skip to the end, but, um, or to my favorites at least. But uh, while we're still kind of in poem mode, I want to talk about a poem clue that was not a truly devious poem. Okay. Um, So I think I mentioned in the plot, one of... One of her, one of Stevie's quote unquote punishments from the administration, even though they don't do punishments at the school, they do projects. But one of her kind of like slap on the wrists for breaking the lock to get down into this forbidden tunnel where her like roommate ultimately dies. Yep. um, Is they give her the best project of all time. They put her up in like clue trove and set her free. Yep. Um, so essentially the administrative component, all of the administrative offices for the school are now in this big mansion where the Ellingham family had lived. A portion of this house, I guess it's the attic. I think they say it's the attic. But yes. I'm sure it's a very nice, very large attic. Um, yeah, they where said they keep, the um, attic is apparently the, as it covers the entire mansion. So it's like, a football field of an attic. <laughs> yeah, the square footage. I totally missed that, but that makes sense. Um, anyway, that's where they keep have kept all of the things that, number one, belong to Alice, which mm. they have to keep on the premises. That's like part of the trust. And number two, all of the things that just weren't like donatable. Okay, so, yep. you know, they, they kind of donated all of the art and, you know, things like that, anything that was important. But this is all the things that were like hi- household items from the Ellingham. So dishware and silverware, and you know, just, you know, calendars and nonsense, right? Books, stuff like that. So Stevie's punishment is she gets sent up to start sorting through various shelves and stuff like that up in the Ellingham property attic. Uh, which to me just sounds like a dream come true if you want to be a detective and solve this case. Like, where are you going to get any better access to anything that may give you a clue? But I agree, but I anyway. also, when they sent her up there, I was like, that is a, as as you would say, a high ghost likelihood zone. <laughs> yes, you so are completely correct. I would have felt very punished by that assignment. <laughs> yes. Also snake, also spiders. Yes, so. 100%, yes. And as nice as that mansion is, I bet there's no air conditioning up there. So I'm sure there were some downsides. (laughs) 
But you could probably really contribute to that Reddit forum afterwards on who true. killed Bellinghams. I'm just saying. Very, very true. Yes, it is a, a so, gold mine. So in the attic, she discovers a couple of things that I want to talk about. Number one is she discovers essentially a bunch of stuff that had been on Albert Ellingham's desk the day he died. One of which is just a little scrap of paper that has a riddle on it. And we learn later through, you know, like 1936 chapters um, that he, Albert referred to this riddle as the his riddle of the Sphinx. Yep. Um, but he doesn't tell anybody the answer. So here's the riddle. Uh, the riddle of Sphinx. Where do you look for someone who's never really there? Always on a staircase, but never on a stair. Ugh. So what's, well, what's the solution, Karen? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Why not? <laughs> tell me, Kelly. It's such a good one. I don't know it either. It's driving me freaking crazy. That's why I'm going to, the, I'm going to be like camping out at the library tonight. Oh gosh. And, and, and also my answer, I'm like, it's a ghost. It's just, a, the answer is a ghost. Someone who's never really there. They're on the staircase, but they're not on the stair. They're like floating above it. Like, it's about a ghost. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Staircase. It's it. There's it's some trick of wordplay where it's like always on a staircase, but never on a stair. What is when do you have always? It's it's, um... it's I just I'm not I can't get it. But like it's yeah. Anyway, it's I can't wait to find out what the solution to that is. That's the thing about riddles that drives you crazy is as soon as you know the answer, it's how could I have ever not so seen it? So obvious. Yes. Right. There was um, another riddle in this book that the solution was just a door. And I, I was, I tried to solve the riddle and I was like, I can't handle it. And then they're like, it's a door. And you're, I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yes. The thing that like opens from either direction and it can hide you if you want to be hidden or point the direction. Yes. Yeah. To who's pursuing yes. you. Yep. It was a door. Never anyway. It, so anyway, that's a cool clue. That was um, a cool clue. Also in the attic is this amazing dollhouse. I knew you were going to bring that up. I was like, Kelly's flipping out right now about this dollhouse. That, listen, if that dollhouse does not come back to play a major part in solving this mystery, I'm going to write a letter. It has like, to. It has to be I'm going to write a letter using cutout magazine letters to Maureen Johnson and be like, <laughs> why did you like get rid of the best clue ever? I demanded I mean, it. It has to. Totally. I agree. The, so, so this dollhouse is... It's described as huge, which makes sense. It's it's a it's a replica of the Ellingham Mansion. Yep. Um, and apparently, down to details of like, there's miniature cosmetics on her mother's dresser. There's da 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 da. So, a couple of things that I'm hoping here. Um, I'm curious if the dollhouse includes the hidden passageways. Oh. And maybe that's how she discovers, is able to figure out where the hidden passageways are. Yep, yep, yep. I'm also, I find it very interesting that the, one of the very specific things they bring up with the dollhouse, and this leads me into my next clue, is the miniatures of the cosmetics on her mother's dresser. Mm. Because one of the most interesting clues in this is, this is one of those like flashback clues that we get. 
is that Iris's friend Flora, who is staying with them at the time, as soon as she hears that Iris has been kidnapped, she goes into, she lets herself with a key into Iris's room and goes through all of her stuff to find this one specific compact. Yep. And hides it on her person and <laughs> smuggles it out. Um, and we never know any more about it. So, like, no. what was in that compact? Well, and also the gentleman, the mm-hmm. the artist gentleman that you were talking about, whose name neither of us can remember, he specifically says to Flora as well, like, did you did you clean everything up? Which seems to be mm-hmm. in reference to her retrieving that compact. She's like, yes, mm-hmm. everything's taken care of. So he also knows about whatever this is. And yeah. knew it was critical for this to be removed from her possessions. Yeah. Prior to any sort of I'm, police search. I I don't know. It's like one part of me says it's like cocaine. Um, because we know Iris is kind of bored. Yeah. And so maybe she's got these friends up there that, you know. Um, one part of me thinks that Iris is... A lesbian and she's with flora oh and that's why flora is there so often and I, I mean i don't know what the what would be in this compact that is would reveal that secret but like i don't know part of me thinks that they're together um i too went thinks that it's uh, i i, sorry, I too ahead. went to like an affair as well like yeah it, i i didn't go to flora but i was like i think she is Two time in Albert and this, and it has something to do with all of these goings on. I wonder now that you say that, I wonder if maybe, okay, here's, here's a wild theory. Okay. What if the, of Bonnie and Clyde, we're going to call them. Okay. Yep. What if Bonnie and Clyde are number one twins, which... We'll have to talk about later. And orphans. <laughs> Orphaned twins. Um, but but what if they're twins and it's not that Ellingham is their father? What if Flora is their mother? And Ellingham said, we'll provide for them. But no, I don't like, I don't want them in our house. Oh. What if that compact was like maybe maybe it's like a big ass locket and it's got their pictures in it or something? I don't know. Maybe. I'm de- this is I'm, all I got, Karen. I love a theory. I mean, and we needed some twins in this book, so I mean, we had zero twins so far. Twinless. I was unmoored without my twins. <laughs> you were just waiting for an unmoored boating accident. Oh yeah. These well, are the, these are the jokes. They're not getting any better. Um, okay, so, um, you know, then kind of like going into the land of uh, Hayes's uh, death, suspected murder. Um, there's the stolen ID badge. There's the scratched up laptop. Yep. Um, yep. There's his um, Skype call. That's kind of like it's not really an alibi, but it's it's his alibi for stealing the the um the ice dry ice yep uh so anyway i just none of that's particularly like interesting it would just except for the fact that i i love all of this very current technology coming in yeah um, 
Yeah, it just, it, it felt like, uh, it felt pretty realistic. Like, no, he couldn't have done it, even though his swipe card swiped him in, because he was physically on a phone call with her at the time, and she saw his face. Totally. So. Yeah, I like, I like the technology aspect in, like, Janelle's character in general, because she's mm-hmm. kind of the, the purveyor of the technology. She's like the, the... She's like Q. Yes, I couldn't think of... I was like, who am I trying... Whose name am I trying to say? Is that what you say? were trying to think of? A thousand percent, yes. Yeah. Like the the super, te- like, hey, I made you these six gadgets to take on your next mission type of thing. Exactly. <laughs> Inside awesome. the bottom of this lipstick, if you yes. just twist it two times, is a Those poison blow dart. Always my favorite thing. Like, that Same. is the best. So Same. I was Q- very Q- here Q for Q is my favorite part of the Bond movies, so. I completely agreed. Okay, last one. And I, I really don't know what's going on here, but this is this is fascinating. So toward the end of the book, Stevie has kind of figured out that Ellie's hiding some of these secrets and she confronts her about it during this game of Never Have I Ever. And then she's being questioned by camp, like campus security, essentially, Larry. Um, <laughs> and she says, why did I pay attention to him? This whole place, Hayes and his stupid ideas, that's what got him killed, his stupid ideas. Mm. So that is not what it seems, I am convinced. I agree. What, the, the, the line, why did I pay attention to him? I don't think him is Hayes. I agree with you. I think him is someone else that's like, that's like the ringleader almost that she and Hayes were involved with. But I agree. I don't think she's talking about Hayes. Yes. Ooh, I just had an idea. What? What? I just keep wondering how David's father is going to come into this. Oh. I wonder if, I wonder if he has anything to do with it. Anyway. Um, okay. So, so that, that concludes my clues section. Well, I feel like we should just talk about the characters because we've, we've started to and, I loved them. They were so interesting. They were Same. all unique and colorful and exciting and three-dimensional. And I just loved them. Um, so let's, t- let's talk about Stevie first. She is our main character. Yeah. Um, yep. I found Stevie to be very likable. Did you like Stevie? I loved her. I did too. Uh, Stevie rules. She is basically Kelly. She loves true crime. She loves Discovery ID shows. She loves true crime podcasts. She, all of the things. She loves them. <laughs> I know. And I deeply related to her. I, yes. I thought, I thought that you would. And, um, you know, she kind of has a rough life, though, prior to coming yeah. to the school. Her parents basically are suck. Are the worst. We learned yeah. that they are the worst. They are super Republicans. Uh, they're basically running campaigns from their home for, like, terrible conservative political figures and like her life is just the worst and i kind of got the impression too that her parents just actually it's not even the impression this was pretty over her parents are just like they don't get her and they don't know what to do with her oh Um, they do not know what to do with her yeah she feels like they wanted like a pretty perky popular Mm -hmm. daughter lots of p words (laughs) um and she (laughs) is not those things she's kind of spooky and dark and yeah. Wants to find a dead body and solve a mystery. <laughs> I I also felt like she was, she was like a full human. You know, like she mm-hmm. had really likable characteristics. She had some unlikable characteristics. She had normal 
human stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so, like, I completely liked her, but she also wasn't just like, okay, here's your Pollyanna to follow through the story. Totally. And, like, she can, like, be a little bit of a jerk sometimes. I mean, but rightfully so. Yeah. Like, when someone, like, messes with her or, like, pokes at her, she's like, bam, I'm going to come back with a zinger that's going to, like, leave a handprint on your face, man. Like, she mm-hmm. lets people have it right back. So, she she's a pretty tough cookie. Um, yeah, she is. I always, I also like that she just can't be bothered with a lot of what, you know, I think she would characterize as normal girl things. She, (laughs) she at one point is talking about her black shorts that she's worn every day, but it's okay because she has three pairs because she got a three for two deal on her pants. (laughs) I have never related to anything more deeply. Like the number of times I have gone to like, say Old Navy and been like, yep, I like that shirt. I'm just going to buy three of them in three different colors. I mean, all the time. Yep. Yep. All the time. (sighs) Stevie. Yep. So I loved that about her. She's, she can't really be bothered with like relationships and like crushes so much. She's, she's just not like super interested in that stuff. So I loved her. Um, Mm -hmm. let's see who shall we talk about next maybe so janelle is her best Mm. friend at school i would say i love janelle i love janelle too tell us more about janelle why do you love her janelle is she is this interesting mashup of like insanely smart she's an engineering student she's like she's all things stem you know like she just inherently knows how to take something apart and put it back together again or make it better so she's got like she has this very stereotypically male interest yeah that she is amazing at i mean she is killing it which is why she gets into the school um but then she's like she's like this ultra feminine girl on top of it like they describe her clothing and she's wearing like a lemon dress, a lemon print dress with like a yellow sweater and lemon scented perfume. And lemon and earrings. Like, I'm here for it. And lemon earrings, right? <laughs> she goes for the thing. So I don't know. It's just, I really liked kind of how these stereotypes are completely just not there in this book. You know, I mean, Janelle is who she is. She's smart as hell. She likes to dress a certain way. So she does. She's not worried about anybody looking at her or thinking anything. Um, and she, we find out she's gay and pretty immediately starts dating a person named Vi, who uses they, them pronouns. Um, I don't, I don't think we know a ton more about Vi than that. I know we, I know yeah. they wear glasses is about all I remember. I don't yeah. remember what they do though, but. I'm glad you said that. I was like, did I just read this poorly? But I don't feel like we really get to know them at all. Mm-hmm. Um. I also, when you were describing Janelle's lemon dress, I had an epiphany. Like, Janelle, in addition to being Q, is also Miss Frizzle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, she is Miss Frizzle. (laughs) With her, like, dresses that match the the event. (laughs) Yeah, she totally is. I mean, at one point, Janelle and Vi even match each other at the dance. (laughs) Yes. It's like, I'm here for it. Um like Janelle is also extremely type A which I completely get and understand like she's extremely organized there's a way there's a right way and a wrong way to do something so just do it the right way um and it's because of that that 
they know exactly when things go missing and when things turn up. And Mm. you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of clues that if Janelle weren't quite so, like, like rigid is not the right word but like if she weren't quite so on top of her stuff there would be a much bigger like window of opportunity so like the fact that she knows i know that i put my pass back on this clip and zipped it into my bag at the start of this yoga class and at the end of the yoga class it wasn't there so somebody came and took it i did not lose it yeah um I'm like, I, if my pass goes missing, I'm like, well, I could have lost it at any point in the anywhere. last weeks. I yep. have no idea. <laughs> it could be anywhere. Did, right did you give me a pass? I'm not sure I was ever given one of those. <laughs> I think I missed that part of orientation. So, Agreed. Um, well, I could talk about this all day long, but I, so listen, I'm going to pick one more person that I think we should discuss. Okay. Because I hated them. <laughs> Who? David Ellie. or Ellie? Ellie. 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 I, I knew you were say Ellie. could mm. not stand Ellie. And I feel like it's She's because... She's freaking worst. I, I feel like I've I've met this person multiple times in my life. Like, she is your classic, like, over-the-top theater kid, basically. Yes. <laughs> and she is just constantly performing. Uh she wants attention all of the time. She she it's also stupid her her ways of getting attention. She is so desperate to have this artist persona and like at one point they're all walking around at night to this party and she spray paints this is art on one of the Greek statues and I was like come yes. on Ellie come on. Yes. You are yes. not original. Um and she like there was this one scene and I don't know why it stuck in my head so much but it was just such a classic like theater kid move where she's just she's always laying on top of people she has to be she's like very touchy and she's always like climbing all over everyone and like laying on top of David's lap whenever they're sitting down and she just randomly is laying there and like sticks her foot her dirty foot in his face mm-hmm. and I'm like I I hate her <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the worst. Uh, for for uh, me, it was her stupid saxophone. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, she would have been the first murder. <laughs> the first, and to I go. would have done it. It would have been a very quick book. It, uh, yes, like, she's always wandering yeah. around with this saxophone, like tooting at people, and I would go <laughs> that, insane. That she cannot play. She yes. has no idea how to play it, so she's just making noise through it. Um. And calling it art. And I'm like, no, Ellie. No, no. However, I got to ask, like, does this feel, uh, is there any, is there any world in which she is intentionally creating this persona as a disguise for who she really is? It's entirely possible. And that would be really helpful for me because I don't want to believe that anyone could be this awful. (laughs) truly and i mean i and i keep going like have we figured out yet what i mean everyone and we're going to talk about this in a minute but like there are niches in this school you know everybody kind of has their thing that they come to the school for and ellie is clearly like artist girl quote unquote but i don't know that we ever see anything that she does that would be so amazing that she would get in this elite school that is a fantastic point you have made that is fascinating. You are so, you're so correct. 
Like, we don't know what she does. We don't know what she does. Like, what do you do? Just, like, you know, spray paint statues, graffiti, full on, like, but not, like, even Banksy-level graffiti, just, you know. Interesting. I, I will just throw out a thought. I think it is, it's either very lazy or very telling, very important, that her name is Ellie, and this is the Ellingham case. <gasps> Interesting. Kelly? Seems, seems like, seems like maybe it's a thing. I don't know. Hmm. You, I, I think know. you're onto something. All right. Well, I, I will leave it at that. There are others we can discuss, but I talked about two people I love, and I will end it with the one that I wanted to vote off the literal island. <laughs> Yeah, that that she drove me crazy. Like from the moment she was in, at the basically when they meet her, because um, she's a year ahead of them, so she's like you know quote unquote upperclassman. But um, she is getting ready for the for like a party that night. Oh god! And she's in a corset and like bloomers, in this big fancy bathroom, in a tub of pink dye where she's dying her costume pink for the night while but with she's it wearing on her it. body yes right and, and then, then she goes wet just goes to the, to party. the party like that yeah yeah i hate her it's like, anyway it's like, moving on uh what is your next favorite thing about this book <laughs> well you kind of mentioned it already but just the sheer fact of the school setting this oh elite yeah school in the middle of the woods i mean this is this is real life muggle hogwarts oh it really is. I love uh, it. Like, are we too old? Like, I still want to believe that this can happen in my life, that someday I'm just going to get summoned to a mysterious school in the woods that's for, you know, witches or something, and they're like, you've been chosen. Come along. Like, is, can that still happen when you're 36? <laughs> or, or or has that door closed in my life? <laughs> I don't know, Karen. It might be out there. Uh, so. So, so part of what I loved about this school in particular, though, was... It is, you know, everybody has a clear identity. It's very diverse. It's very modern. All interspersed with this very, like, Great Gatsby setting, Great mm. Gatsby secondary plot. Yeah. And I loved all of that. So there, th- that was very interesting. But in that, this idea of not just learning should be fun, but we are going to tailor a curriculum to what you want to do with your life. And I love that idea. Like that is the part that makes me want to get the call. Yeah. To go to that school, you know? Oh, yes. And, and, and like really having, having advisors that are listening to them going, you know, what do you want to do? Why do you want to do that here? I've, I have, we have hired teachers specifically to teach you. Yeah. Um, we have, we will, import any book you want just say the word this is all so that you can be that thing that you want to be and i just find that very very cool i love that whole concept so so my question karen is if you got you know if you if your owl arrived tomorrow (laughs) with your letter to muggle hogwarts um what would be your thing what like what would be you know everybody has their thing there what would be your thing? What would you want to study? What would be your project? Oh my god, that is such a brutal question. Because it's, uh 
This kind of reminds me of the inheritance games as well, like the challenge that he would give each of the grandsons every year that they had to like deep dive on something by their next birthday. That was also a hard yeah. question for me because I'm like, I want to do all the things. Um, but you have you have to pick one. I think it it would be something like maker related. Mm. Um, and I think this this is listen. This is a very whimsical answer that I have not thought through. But I just have really, in particular, been enjoying my knitting and crocheting lately, and mm-hmm. it's making me want to finally deep dive into learning to weave. And so I I would mm. I, I've always wanted to do like macrame. There's like bargello. I, I would want to do something like a giant masterpiece, like woven fiber arts thing like a a tapestry a giant intricate tapestry that would be my project to translate you would be looking into like a fiber arts yes curriculum exactly and i think Mm. that you know that could include things like i could shear the sheep and create my own Mm. yarn you know i could i could get a spinning wheel to spin right yeah so i think there's a I think it would be legit to ask to, to have that be my project. So you want like a farm to table art, fine art situation. Exactly. Table. No table, yeah. farm to bed. Farm to couch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what would, what would your thing be? I don't know. I mean, you know, reading, reading from Stevie's perspective, it's like that, you know, yeah. I would want to do that. Totally. Um, and... It would it would probably either be be that or it would be something in the land of cooking. You know, I would like, yeah, um, a combo of you know running my own business and mm. becoming a master chef. I love that. That that was actually what I thought you were going to pick was like pastry chefing or something like that. See, and I just think I need to put my hands together, like in the words of Joey Tribbiani, who I seem to always quote, like, um, I just need to be a chef that solves crime. And and that's probably my cozy mystery series. Right I was there, just going to say, like, that is the perfect premise for a, co- for a cozy mystery. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but that would be it. So, um, anyway, yeah. Okay, I love you, that. Get, you get another go. So... I think my concluding thing that I loved, this is a clap back to something that you said in our last episode. You're like, how many more treasure hunts is Nancy Drew going to go on? (laughs) Like, is someone going to ever die in one of these books? Yes. And holy moly, we got real crime (laughs) in this book. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Kidnappings, murders, uh, people disappearing and never being seen or heard from again. Uh, the poems, which are, like, incredibly terrifying. Um, yeah. it's. I, I mean, those are, like, very zodiac, you know, just with, yes. a, with a rhyme scheme. Oof. Totally. So we were just, we, we have completely departed from Nancy Drew level crime, which is... Thank God. I'm going to pretend to be a ghost and take this old lady's silver candlesticks. Um, Thank you. Exactly. So I just, I really liked the change of pace. I really liked having something to actually be concerned about in this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. So yeah, I was just like continually glad that 
Stevie wasn't running around trying to find, like, Ellie's missing diary or something. (laughs) Half of a locket, totally. Half of a locket, right, exactly, so. Anyway, that's all I got on that front. Perfect. Um, So, normally we kind of end with our open questions, but I just, I'm going to just, we're going to talk about them right now because I think this is kind of the fun of this book is to talk about what we think is going to happen. So... I just want to hear theories. I, let's just throw out some theories, okay? Question number one. Why were the Ellinghams kidnapped? Oh, God, Kelly. I am still going to go with, and I don't I don't understand how this would work, but I think there is an affair involved. Mm-hmm. I think the wife was having okay. an affair. And I think it's possible that, I don't know, maybe... Well, no, but she winds up dead. I don't know. I, I was like, maybe she's staging her own kidnapping so she can get all this money and run away mm. with her with her lover. But she's dead, so that doesn't work. I don't know. Why do you think they got kidnapped? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I have thought about her staging her own kidnapping as well. Um, I, 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 this is not a fully formed theory, okay? But there is this part of me that thinks that the the friend i can't think of his name the friend of alberts who is in the fbi who saved him from the bombing mm-hmm. i think he is in cahoots with iris oh or there's there's i think something i don't think he is on the up and up i think i think his saving of albert from that bombing was not coincidental i think he saved him because he knew it was going to happen and set it up and was able to save him. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? I think he created the situation that he saved him from. You think we got um, a double crosser on our hands? Well, not even a double crosser. Like, but someone who is so obsessed with the family that to get on their good side, he created a problem that he could solve mm. then. Got it. Yep. Yep. Um. So now he's on the inside and part of me really thinks that you know how he goes to so the first ransom drop albert makes he he gets in the boat and he rows out to the little island in the middle of that little man-made lake the second ransom drop the fbi guy takes the money in the car and drives out this long crazy path and when he comes back hours later he's been beat up yes i think iris died during that exchange (gasps) Interesting, and that the second, and that the third one, the third one, a phone call never came in. The third one, the FBI guy, he communicates the third ransom drop. You know, the kidnappers told him when he went to make the second one. Okay, they need two hundred thousand dollars more. Yeah. So that one wasn't a phone call. That didn't come from the kidnappers. That came from the FBI guy. So I just, I think something happened. I think there's something weird going on there. And I think the third ransom drop was to cover the fact that something bad went down at the second. Got it. Huh. I don't know. I, we'll find out. I love it. I love it. Okay. Next question. You ready? I'm ready. Where's Alice? Oh man. I don't know, but I don't think she's dead. Like, I think she's around. Is she, and, she's she's going to be like the old lady on the Titanic, right? Like hundred percent. I keep ninety I, years old. I feel like this is going to sound incredibly dumb, but I want her to be like Hagrid, you know? <laughs> like I, I was just going to say, I want her to be the professor who teaches astrology. Yes, yes. Like I want her to mm-hmm. be in plain sight, 
and a part of their lives already, but that might be too obvious. I don't know. Mm. But I, I do believe she is around and available. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Where do you think she um, is? I don't know. Okay. I don't think she's dead. Um, I don't think she's dead. I, and in order for these books to work, I think what you're saying is right. She has to be accessible somehow. Right. Like, it can't be we get to the end of the third book and it's like, she flies over from Paris and is like, nice to meet you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That does not work. That does not work. Right. Um, I mean, I think the only person we've met who's over the age of, like, 45 in these books is Stevie's, um, like, forensics teacher. Mm. Who's, like, 70 or something. But I don't... That's not even old enough. No. So... Hmm. Anyway. Um, okay, so can we talk about Dottie's murder for a minute? Because Woof. yes, this was, like, as we kind of talked about a little bit, like, terrifying and totally unexpected. So scary. Oh, the part that scared me the worst. So Oof. she's chilling in this little observatory that is very remote and inaccessible. She's always there by herself. She's just chilling, reading her book minding her own beeswax and she hears someone coming so she Mm -hmm. gets down in the corner under all of these blankets and everything she waits until it sounds like the person has left she just hears like silence and then she waits some more just to be safe and then she just slowly lifts the edge of the blanket and there's just this person there that goes hello like, hi, little girl. Like, just the, mm-hmm. staring at her, waiting out. for her to move so that they could uh-huh. scare the crap out of her. And, like, I saw that as if it was in a movie. And it, like, mm-hmm. it, it like made me jump, even though it was in a book. Yeah, I oh. know. It was totally terrifying. Freaked me out, man. Well, and, like, then from there, okay, a couple of things. It, number one, it doesn't sound like this is somebody that Dottie recognizes. Mm-mm. Um, which means it's not a teacher, it's not a fellow student, which maybe eliminates Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. Um, unless it's just written in such a way, I don't know. But it did not sound like she recognized them. No. But what she does recognize is that even though they're smiling, their smile isn't right. Yep. And that's what totally freaked me out. And she even thinks to herself, like, this is this is one of those things that my my uncle, who's a policeman, warned me about, and I need to run and try to get away as fast as I can. Oh, you're right. And I was like, yeah. oh my god, this is so sad. What is happening? I want Nancy Drew back. Oh, that was <laughs> so freaking scary. And then she like to escape. There's like a hatch in the floor that goes down like one story to the floor below. And she's so scared and she's running so fast. She knows she doesn't have time to climb the ladder, so she just straight up jumps through the hole. And, like, mm. splats on the ground. Knocks herself out. Yeah. And then is murdered. Not to, like, deviate too much from Dottie, because there's one more thing I want to talk about with Dottie, but wasn't Hayes found at the bottom of that same hatch? I believe he was, Kelly. I believe he was. <gasps> I'm... My thing is, I don't... I don't know how... I mean... Stevie talks very specifically about walking down that tunnel and how it was 400 feet to get from where you enter the tunnel to getting back to that hatch. 
and how 400 feet doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot when you're walking. She, she talks about all of that in the book. I don't know how, if, if he died, I don't, I don't think he was asphyxiated with the CO2 until he was all the way back there. Hmm. Because he wouldn't have made it that far. I think someone, maybe Alice, I think someone has been living in that little observatory. Mm. And because they make such a big deal about, like, the wall, the, the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, the lake has been, like, the they think the tunnel has been sealed up, but maybe it was fake sealed up. I don't know. There's something, mm. something sneaky. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Something is off about the observatory in the middle of the lake. And I think somebody has been living in it this whole time. So your kind of general theory is that there is an interloper on campus. Yes. Interesting. And if that were a male individual, that would potentially be the him that Ellie is referring to. If she hadn't Indeed. listened to him. Yes. Could also be the same person that, you know, projected the message up on, on Stevie's, Stevie's wall. wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. somebody is, and it'd be so easy because there's all these hidden tunnels and secret passages mm-hmm. and it, like wandering paths. So it would be very easy mm-hmm. to fly under the radar to this place. That is my theory. Interesting. I can't wait to see what happens. Oh, Kelly, so oh, have, I, have I exhausted you with mystery? <laughs> oh, no, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed with mystery. One more thing about Dottie and then we'll move on. But um, she, in in and this all happens in the first chapter of the book, um, before she she gets nervous and, and thinks, oh my gosh, like, what if this is the end? And instinctively leaves a clue inside her Sherlock Holmes book that she's reading. She's reading, mm. I think it was a study in Scarlet and she underlines like a sentence or, or a brief passage in this Sherlock Holmes book and thinks, and and then it, and then that freaks her out that she even had that thought of like, maybe I, I don't make it out of here alive. Yep. Um, and then she doesn't. And that book um, is kept, it's kept out of circulation and when Stevie goes through it, she immediately recognizes that there's this underlined passage. And she doesn't know that, that Dottie was the one that did it because other people had checked that book out too. But that's going to be important. Totally. I can't remember the quote. I need to go look it back up now, but yes. I can't remember it either. And of course, I don't have the book next to me, but um, it's probably something about, you know, being on a stair. I'm just kidding. I don't care. Turning into a sphinx. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that's kind of the conclusion of my open questions, even though I've got 50 more. But Well, yeah, yeah the whole book is an open question, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, Karen, um, this week we are rating Truly Devious out of 12 possible cutout magazine letters. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so you get to go first. What what do you give this book? I am going to give this book a nine out of twelve. Cut out magazine letters. Uh, I love the characters. Love the setting. Love a campus mystery. Um, I echo your sentiments that I wish that it did have more of a conclusion that 
that would have allowed this book to stand on its own a little bit better. Um, But I am down with it to be continued since the other books already exist and we don't have to wait. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, thank goodness. I took away three cutout magazine letters because of the basic, basically rhyming slow with slow in the first poem. Bad, (laughs) bad move. And I also hated Ellie. So nine out of 12. (laughs) No, I think, I think that's all very fair. I, I, I'll be curious to see if, if, if Ellie was written as hateable for a reason beyond just having an eccentric character. I, I too am curious about that now that you mentioned that. Um, what is your rating sister? I give it 10 out of 12. Nice. Um, yeah, I loved it. I could not put it down. I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. But, like, there's there's so much um, avenue for guessing, which is fun. Like, it's not so cryptic that you're like, I don't, huh, what mystery we're even solving here? Um, so, yeah, it was just entertaining and relatable. And I love that Stevie is a true crime nerd like me. And um, I liked having this, like, current mystery plus a cold case to solve. I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my only two, my, my two point deduction was simply for the fact of not having any satisfaction at the end of this book. Yep. Yep. None. She couldn't even get a makeout sesh. Like nothing. (laughs) Zero. I agree. Yeah. All right. So 9.5 out of 12 altogether. Not too, not too bad. Not too shabby. Um, we remembered we remembered to do the thing this time. <laughs> unlike, we did do. We did. Uh, so unlike our last Super Sleuth, where we totally forgot that we needed to tell you what the upcoming reading list was, and we winged it, yeah. uh, we remembered. Until we were literally sitting recording, and we're like, okay, <laughs> let's just make this up. Uh, what are we going to read, Kelly? First on our list is, we're just con- keeping going with uh, the Nancy books, The Mystery of the Ivory Charm. Mm. Mm. Have you Have you looked this one up? I I did look it up and I saw that there is a traveling there's a traveling circus in it so I was like are we getting closer <laughs> to my my magician <laughs> <laughs> You're on magician watch It could it could happen Um okay the next one is called Nancy Drew and the Whispering Statue Mm an and, intriguing title uh, like not sure what how a how, how a statue whispers, but there is a suspicious sculptor in this book apparently. So sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm all about a suspicious sculptor, and you know, I mean, statuary has done crazier things in the Catholic Church than whisper. So you, know, you make a possible. very good point. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, following that is Nancy Drew and the Haunted Bridge, Ugh. and the cover freaks me right out. Karen, yep. this probably will not be your favorite, but I, I suspect, I, knowing nothing about this book, about this book, um, I'm guessing it's not a real ghost. I'm guessing <laughs> that there's a, a conspiracy to swindle someone out of something. Yep. Disguised gotta, as a haunting. Gotta scare people away from this bridge because yeah. there's treasure under, there's a treasure troll under it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we will do our next super sleuth, just like we did today. And so we are going to read... The first book in the Enola Holmes mystery series, which is called The Case of the Missing Marquess, and it is by Nancy Springer. Woo-hoo. I'm super excited for these. I have not read any of them yet, but I love the idea. So Enola it's... is, I think she's 14. She is the the teenage little sister of 
Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I love it. I love everything about this. Yeah. And his brother, whatever his brother's name is. His, uh, can't think of it. But yeah. So, and and also they have made this one into a Netflix movie. So oh, if yes. you haven't seen it, it's actually really good. It's got the, um, the actor, uh, from who plays Eleven on, um, oh. Stranger Things. Yep. Plays yep. Enola. Love yep. it. Well, Kelly, I think it is time for the moral of the story, AKA what did we learn today from Truly Devious? I don't know, but please do tell me. I think this is very important. Uh, don't screw around with dry ice, man. Like, it is not... Right? It is not to be trifled with. It can actually, literally kill you. So, careful if you are trying to make a haunted house in your home or something of that nature. Yeah. That is a very good PSA. Thank you. I I was not aware how dangerous it was, and I... I'm terrified of it now, so... Yeah, I mean, why was that not on a very special Punky Brewster? I mean, <laughs> right. So, uh, well, well, with that, happy, happy sleuthing. sleuthing! It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W., you can find her on Facebook at Danny W. Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend, Mark Goodlow. It-